for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. You guys doing well? I really do have a message that's on my heart uh, that I really believe is prophetic in nature. I really believe that it's timely uh, for you guys as a church. And uh, actually, when Pastor Braden was doing communion, he basically preached my message. And I thought, you know what? We can just pray right now and go home. <laughs> but uh, I just love when the Holy Spirit confirms that it's a message uh, from his heart. And uh, let me just say this, first of all, uh, prophetically about this church, Renew Life Church. I've been here three times now, and I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. God is up to something in this house that's way bigger than you realize. I'm going to try this side of the room right over here. God is up to something in this house that's bigger than you know. There we go. Okay, you guys get second chance. You ready? God is up to something in this house that's bigger than you realize. And, and I really believe even prophetically that what God is doing at Renew Life Church, what he's doing not just with the numerical growth, but what he's doing in the spirit. How many of you know that when God does something significant in individual lives, it increases a corporate anointing on the house, a corporate blessing on the house. And I really believe that what God is doing at Renew Life Church is really, really big. And I really believe that this is a, this is a church, and it's because you have pastors and leaders that have a heart not just to build the church, but to build the kingdom of God. And I really believe that what God is doing in this house is to bless the entire city. I really believe that what God is doing at Renew Life Church even, even things behind the scenes, in the spirit that you don't even realize, he's doing something to bless this entire city, and I really believe is blessing the entire region because God doesn't want to just fill churches. He wants to transform regions. He wants to transform entire cities. But what I want to talk about for a few minutes this morning is what we can do to position ourselves to play a part in impacting entire cities and entire regions. But it starts with us as individuals, and it's all about this. It's about knowing in our hearts that we're sons and daughters, specifically sons and daughters of God. And I want to share a passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 8. You can turn there if you want. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 15. And I think we're going to have it up on the screen. But just to lay a little bit of a context the Apostle Paul, the writer of Romans, is writing to the Jews who are in Rome, who have been born again, who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what he said, Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Some translations say the spirit of sonship, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I want to read uh, just verse uh, 16 one more time. The spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Everybody say spirit of adoption. Here's the deal. It's one thing to know that we are quote unquote saved and going to heaven, forgiven by Jesus. 
And it's another thing to have a revelation in our hearts that we are adopted, blood-bought, fully forgiven, sons and daughters of the king of the universe. That makes me excited. <laughs> I'm, just to share a little bit of my story, I wasn't brought up in the church. I, I, uh, I was raised in a broken home. My dad left when I was two years old, left my mom a single mom to raise my daughter and my, or my, my sister and myself. <laughs> I had a daughter when I was born, no. <laughs> and that's supernatural. <laughs> My mom was left a single mom to raise uh, my sister and myself. Uh, wasn't brought up in the church, uh, raised in a broken home. And of course, with that came rejection without even realizing I grew up not, not having a close relationship with my dad, broken, uh, fatherless in a lot of ways, in so many ways. Uh, and although I wasn't brought up in the church, I can honestly say that it was just the sovereign hand of God on my life that I always knew that I knew that I knew that there was a God in heaven. I heard enough about him to know there was a God in heaven and I wanna know how to get right with him. I remember being seven years old, going to my mom in tears and saying, mom, how can I know that when I die someday, I'm gonna go to heaven and not somewhere else? Like enough to freak out a single mom who doesn't know Jesus herself, right? <laughs> Like basically, mom, how can I know that I'm right with God? And I'm like weeping in tears. Fast forward, I was sick. by the time I was 16 years old, I became so hungry to know that I was right with God that I just started, you know, trying to clean up my own life, tried to, tried to you know, not sin, tried to, you know, live my life in such a way that maybe I'll make it to heaven someday. But how many of you know that we can't do anything in our own strength to be right with God? So because of that, I became broken, depressed, confused, uh, anxious, Long story short, at 16 years old, I had visited a church that my neighbors were part of that was a great church. I'd visited a church with them in my pursuit to get right with God. And I thought, I came home from work or from school one day in January 1994. I was 16 years old and I, and I, and I, was, I was broken. I was depressed, confused. I said, I called my neighbors. I said, can I talk to your pastor? So they said, sure, come on over. So I went over. They didn't get a hold of their pastor. They got a hold of their youth pastor. And I talked to him on the phone. And like total dream come true to any like youth pastor or evangelist. I was basically, this is how it went down. Hi, my name's Chuck. I'm 16 years old. I want to know how to get to heaven. I'll do whatever it takes. What do I have to do? <laughs> True story. And this youth pastor graciously just began to unpack the beautiful gospel you know, he took, he shared scriptures with me, like out of Romans, it says, the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And he basically said, Chuck, there's nothing you can do to make yourself right with God in your own strength. It was all paid for 2,000 years ago by Jesus on the cross. And all you have to do is receive it by faith. And I was like, are you kidding me? this is free? He's like, yeah, you just need to receive it by faith. It's a free gift. I'm like, oh, that's why it's called good news. And in that moment, in January 1994, I gave my life to Jesus. I was born again. And I went home that night, literally feeling like I was floating off the ground knowing that I was right with God, that I was, that I was on my way to heaven, began to share the gospel with my, my mom, my sister, everyone else. Now that was January, 1994. Fast forward to April, uh, 
1994. And by the time April 1994 came, the church that I became a part of was was experiencing a full-blown revival, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? I mean the presence of God started to crash in on our meetings so tangibly that we began to meet every night of the week except Monday to worship, encounter God's presence. It's nice we were there till like one, two in the morning. It was wild. And, and, I, and this, might, this might sound crazy to some of you, but the presence of God was so strong as we gathered that, you know, pastor would preach, invite people up uh, to just have a fresh encounter with God, and we would come forward for prayer. And sometimes the Holy Spirit would be so strong that ministry team would pray for us, and sometimes we would literally fall down under the power of God as the power of God. And people would be like, why are they falling down? And my pastor was like, I guess because they can't stand up, <laughs> you know? And, and the power of God began to visit us and, and, and true, authentic outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I can show you spot after spot in the church where I had dramatic encounters with the Holy Spirit and the Father heart of God. But there was one particular encounter that forever marked my life. Remember, coming up for prayer, it was a midweek meeting. Power of God came on me. I fell down under the power of God. And then a prophetic lady in our church came up to me and she said this. She said, she said prophetically, had no idea about my history, that I was brought up in a broken home. And she said this. She said, the father wants you to know, or God wants you to know that you can never again say that you don't have a father because he's your father. And then she began to prophesy and speak over me straight from the heart of God as though God was saying to me firsthand, Chuck, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Well done. I delight in you. And I tell you, waves, tangible waves of the love of God just began to wash over me. And I, be I became, began to be marked by what the Apostle Paul calls the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship. And I just began to encounter his love. And as though the father himself was saying directly to my heart, Chuck, there's nothing you can do to make me love you anymore. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to make me love you any less than I do right now, just because you're my son. And what happened is although I knew I was saved and going to heaven, there was still this thing in me where I felt like I had to still earn God's approval. Earn God's, see, sometimes we know we're saved by grace, but then we think we have to work to keep his grace. Here's the gospel. We can't do anything for his grace. It's all been paid for. We just need to receive it. And, and, and I just begin to encounter and get rocked and transformed by this thing called the spirit of adoption. And here's the deal. I want to share quickly four things that happened to me and that I believe is available for every single one of us that happens when we encounter the spirit of adoption. Number one is this. We begin to be absolutely set free from all guilt, shame, and condemnation. It's like Pastor Braden was just sharing. We get absolutely set free from guilt, shame, condemnation, a, a sense that we're not good enough. Romans 8 verse 1 says this, there is therefore now no condemnation, say no condemnation, for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for us. I love what Bill Johnson, my pastor in California, says all the time. He says, we can't afford to have a thought in our head about ourselves that God himself doesn't think about us. <laughs> How many of you think that's good news? 
I guarantee you that if you're a son and daughter of God, son or daughter of God, born again by the blood of Jesus, if you're feeling shame, guilt, condemnation, unworthiness, that's not coming from heaven. In Psalms 34, verse five, it says this, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. One day when I was in school of ministry in California, I was still wrestling with this whole idea of, basically I knew I was forgiven, but I was still on a journey and uh, I had done something, doesn't matter what it was. If I told you what it was, you would think that's, that's, that's lame. Why were you feeling guilty about that maybe? But anyway, I was, I was feeling condemnation. I was laying on my bed in my, you know, in my apartment, living with a group of guys and I was feeling shame and I was like, I was going, God, I'm so sorry that I did that. And then I'm like telling them over and over. I mean, you know, you don't believe you're forgiven when you like tell God how sorry you are. And it's like, you're trying to convince them. Like, no God, seriously, I'm really, really sorry. And as I'm doing this, I have this quick vision, a picture in my mind's eye. It sounds crazy, but I saw a picture of Snow White. And like, I knew that was God because I'm like, I'm not a huge like Snow White fan. Like, I don't have a picture. I don't have like posters of Snow White, like in my, in my bedroom, you know what I'm saying? And I see this picture of Snow White and I'm like, that has to be God. I'm like, God, what are you saying? And I have an older sister, so I know enough about the story to know what God was saying. And, and, I, and I started to be reminded of the story and how, you know, there's this wicked witch and she would look in this magic mirror and say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all, you know? And of course, the magic mirror would be like, well, Snow White is the fairest of them all. And the Wicked Witch would get really jealous and upset and want to kill Snow White. So I see this picture of Snow White. And God said, Chuck, not only are you forgiven, but when I look at you, I see you as pure as white snow. You are as white as snow. And he said, not only that, but you're the fairest of them all. How many of you know that in the heart of God, we all get to be his favorite? (laughs) And there's something about encountering the spirit of adoption where we are convinced that I'm actually my dad's favorite. It's not arrogance. It's actually humility. It's actually just embracing what the gospel says, and that is that we all get to be the fairest of them all. We all get to be washed as pure as snow. Here's the deal. God doesn't just love you. He really likes you. And when he sees you, Because God so delights in diversity, when he sees you, when you're worshiping God this morning, did you know that when you worship God this morning, sorry, this lady right here, what's your name? Katie. Katie and Candace, you can both be on this illustration, okay? When when Katie and Candace worship Jesus this morning, this is so true. When they worship Jesus this morning, did you know that they touched a part of the heart of God that nobody else in this room could touch? That's how much the Father delights in them individually. See, we have a God that absolutely delights in diversity. No snowflakes the same. You won't find two mountains the same. You learn a lot about the creator by looking at his creation. And that is that the father is so into individuality and uniqueness that every single one of us is created so uniquely designed by God that we touch his heart in a way that nobody else can touch his heart. And not only that, but when we understand that we're sons and daughters, we start to realize that we're new creations. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Everybody say all things. Here's the gospel. 
when you got born again, you didn't become just a cleaned up version of the old you. You became an entirely new creation. There's so much we could say about this. The apostle Paul in Galatians 2 said, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, too, too often we walk through life thinking, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, your sinful nature was crucified with Christ. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint who sometimes forgets who you are. We're saints. Notice how Paul never writes to the church. You know, you never see Paul saying, to the sinners who are in Ephesus, the unfaithful in Christ Jesus. He says to the saints who are in Ephesus. He's always calling us who we are. The Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What if we just started walking around convicted of our righteousness? I believe the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, but really it's just reminding us who we are and calls us up into who we really are. Could you imagine we are so convinced that we're the righteousness of God that we walked around? Imagine I'm just walking around in my house in deep thought. My wife's like, what are you thinking about? What's wrong? Oh, I'm just feeling really convicted right now. Really, what did you do? That's the thing, I didn't do anything. It's what he did 2,000 years ago. And I feel so convicted of my righteousness right now. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When we get this, we start to live out of that belief. See, if we believe we're sinners, we'll sin by faith. But if we believe we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, like the Bible says, we will start to live out of that identity. We'll wake up in the morning knowing that we're righteous. Not because of anything that we did, but what he did 2,000 years ago. That's the gospel. That's why it's called good news. Am I helping anybody today? And when we realize we're new creations and we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we actually give ourselves permission to be amazing in the earth. <laughs> if I turn to the person next to you and say, you're way more amazing than you realize. <laughs> See, I was thinking about this one day and I wrote on Facebook, I'm one of those Facebook guys. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the whole idea about false humility. See, too much of the church walked in with false humility, thinking that if they beat themselves up, they're spiritual. I was thinking about this, and I said, you know what? Many people shrink back from their destiny in the name of humility. But God is not intimidated by your greatness. <laughs> History is made by those who know who they are, and whose they are. So arise and shine because the world needs you. Here's the deal. Sons and daughters walk in a godly confidence that they are amazing because the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of them. And everywhere they go, they get to manifest his presence. And God, God's breaking off false humility in the church. He's releasing a godly confidence that we are sons and daughters in the earth manifesting his presence, his kingdom everywhere we go. The last thing that I want to share is this. When we believe we're sons and daughters, 
I just said it. We start to release his presence in the earth everywhere we go as supernatural beings. Did you know that we're supernatural? I don't have time to go into all of it, but there's two Greek words used in the New Testament for the word new, that we translate new. One is the word neos, one is the word kainos. The word neos is like, I have these boots, I wear them for a couple years, they get worn out. Let me use a better illustration. I used to drive a 1996 Avalon. It got totaled, this is a true story, when I was in California. And then I went out and got a brand new car, that's neos. Kainos isn't just a new version of the old. It means extraordinary, novel, never before seen. That's the word he's talking about. It's like I used to drive a 1996 Avalon. Now I drive the USS Enterprise. That's who he says you and I are. And there's something that happens when we get a revelation that we're not just forgiven. We're not just sons and daughters but we're actually supernatural beings made in God's image, extraordinary in the earth, where we start to believe that we can do the impossible. I have a friend uh, back home in San Antonio who I met a few years ago and he started coming to some of our discipleship classes and I began to disciple him and he went and did uh, one year of school of uh, ministry at Bethel where I was trained and he was just, he was just on a mission trip. He was just on a mission trip in uh South Africa. And he's, he's getting the revelation that he's a son of God. And he was on a mission trip in South Africa. Few days after getting there, they're out on the streets doing evangelism, power evangelism, praying for the sick, leading people to Jesus. True story. After being out in the street just for, for a little while, a car came around the traffic circle, hit my friend Carlos. He flew over the car. The car was going 40 miles an hour. He flew over the car broke one of his legs and had to go to the hospital for emergency surgery. Now, Carlos's own testimony is that when the car hit him, he felt a rush of the peace of God and the compassion of God come over him. He flies over the car, lands on the road, paramedics come, they're all around him, crowds all around him. The driver gets out of his car, finally works up enough nerve to come over to Carlos and he goes, I am so sorry, are you okay? This is what Carlos did. He sees the guy that hit him. He looks up and he says, I forgive you. Jesus loves you. Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? True story. Takes the man by his hand. He kneels down beside Carlos and gets born again right there. Carlos gets rushed to the hospital and his entire team. And Carlos's team's with him in the ER, and Carlos is like, I'm gonna be fine. Just go start loving on people in the ER. So they go through the emergency room, praying for the sick, praying for the people that are hurting. A lady in a wheelchair with a broken ankle gets instantly healed, gets out of her wheelchair, and starts jumping up and down. And right there, about 12 people got healed and saved right there in the, in the ER room. Now, when Carlos cut to his, after he goes through surgery and he's in the recovery room, he's lying on the bed, word got out that people were getting healed through Carlos and, and the rest of his team that he had a line of staff and patients in his hospital room lined up for prayer for healing. And in a few days, there were so many physical healings and salvations that in about three days, 75 people got born again right there in the hospital. Can we just thank Jesus for that?
because he knows that he's a son, fully forgiven, not just loved by God, but really liked by God, and knows that he can manifest the kingdom of God by just loving the person in front of him. What would happen if we just began to love the people in front of us everywhere we go? When I got transformed by the Father's love, I decided right from the beginning, I'm gonna forgive my dad for leaving when I was two years old and I'm gonna love him where he's at because he doesn't know love. My dad got sick when I was at school of ministry with Lou Gehrig's disease. When I came home for the summers, I became one of my dad's caretakers for when I came home in the summers, I looked after him. My dad came to hear me preach at my home church when I was back home in Canada, came forward to my altar call, gave his life to Jesus. I, be, I, became, I became one of my dad's caretakers and started to lead my own dad into an encounter with the love of the Father himself. Now he's with Jesus just because I demonstrated forgiveness and the love of God to him. Just the other day, I was in Freebirds. Good things happen at Freebirds. And I was with my friend and we were grabbing lunch and I'm talking to the girl over the cash register. And I said, do you have pain in your body? And she said, yeah, I have lower back pain. She said, I'm seven weeks pregnant and I, you know, been walking around working and I have lower back pain. I said, I feel like God just wants to heal your back. Can I pray for you right now? She said, sure. I just began to release the kingdom over her. I said, kingdom of God, come back, be healed. I release the love of God over you in Jesus name. Amen. I said, thanks for letting me pray for you. Sat down with my friend. We're having our lunch. She comes over to take our trays when we're done. I said, how's your back? She's like, it's better. All my pain's gone. I'm like, that's amazing. I'm like, that's the love of God just touching you right now. And I was just sowing seeds of the love of God. We can do this everywhere we go. But this morning, I feel like what the Father's doing is he's releasing a fresh revelation of what it looks like to experience the Father's love and walk in this thing called the spirit of adoption. Let's all stand where we are for a minute. If you're here this morning, maybe you're visiting, maybe you came with a friend, a relative, and you say, you know what? I don't fully understand what it means to be a Christian, but I know something in my heart is telling me that I need to surrender my life to Jesus, and I wanna receive his grace to become a son or a daughter of God. If that's you, there's, no, there, there's nothing magical about a certain prayer. It's just opening your heart to the grace of God. And if that's you, I just want you to pray to yourself right now. I just want you to say, Father, I know that I need Jesus. And Jesus, I know that you gave your life for me. I ask you to come into my life. Make me clean. Give me forgiveness. I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer, I wanna encourage you, tell the person you came with, tell one of the pastors or leaders here. And the last group of people I wanna pray for is if there's anybody here where you say, you know what? I know that I'm a Christian, but I'm still battling shame, guilt, and condemnation. Whether it's something you did 20 years ago or two days ago, God wants to set you free to know that you're forgiven and to forgive yourself. If that's you, this is a safe place. I just want you to raise your hand where you are. You say, I'm battling shame, guilt, condemnation. Just keep your hand up just for a minute. The rest of you, Kingdom Life family, I just want you to look around, find somebody with their hand up, and I just want you to put a hand on their shoulder. 
just quickly look around. And if there's somebody with their hand up, just put your hand on, on their shoulder. As soon as somebody has their hand on your shoulder, you can put your hand down. And I pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for these ones. And I pray that you would release a fresh revelation that they are forgiven, that they are clean, that they are holy, that you don't just love them, but you like them. That as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you've removed their transgressions from them. Let them feel your pleasure and your love. Overtake them right now. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland, Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.